Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and today I have Dave Hirschkop with me. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. Dave is going to share his entrepreneurial journey, a very interesting journey. And then we're going to dive into some tips and advice and guidance and experiences as he's built a highly successful specialty foods company. So that's what we're going to chat about today with Dave. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Dave Hirschkop is a serial entrepreneur and the founder and creative force behind Dave's Gourmet. You probably have heard of Dave's Gourmet. I know I have. Dave Gourmet is a specialty foods company that makes a wide range of products, including gourmet pasta sauce, hot sauce, condiments, and spices. And you've probably heard of Dave's Gourmet Insanity Sauce. I believe that was one of the first products. Uh, His first business venture, however, was a restaurant. And so we'll chat about that, which is at that restaurant where the idea for his hot sauces were born. Dave's Gourmet initially specialized in hot sauces and then has expanded into a range of products, as I mentioned, including pasta sauces, condiments, and spices. His products have earned more than 17 prestigious specialty outstanding food innovation awards, including best in category four times and counting. Twice his pasta sauces were honored as best in the industry. He's all about the quality of the product. And so we'll talk about that as, as he has experience in his success with building a specialty foods company. Dave's also has authored a cookbook and made numerous appearances on television, including the Food Network. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. So once again, Dave Hirschkop, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, in doing the research, uh, you've, you've been on a lot of shows and interviews and television and podcasts. So uh, we'll try to maybe explore a little different angle in some areas here. But I always like to start at the beginning. And, and I think you studied Soviet and Eastern European studies in college. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. So what were you going to be when you grew up with that? I watched too many James Bond movies. <laughs> so I really wanted to be a spy. Interesting. And, you really wanted to be a spy. Yeah, because it looked exciting and um uh, I pictured myself with lots of beautiful women in exciting situations. And so then what happened? Uh, then reality is a good <laughs> teacher. So, um, no, I, you know, really, um, I tried out, uh, there's a CIA had a covert operations internship. Interesting. Um, and I tried out for that and almost made it, but um, I didn't realize, you know, my dad was one of the uh, leaders of the civil rights movement and I didn't oh. realize that would be a, a stumbling block for me. Interesting. Um, although it's terrific um, what he did. But, um, you know, and then I learned more about what the profession was involved. And it didn't sound like I would have been very good at it. Yeah. I was going to say, if you look back on it now, could you have seen yourself uh, taking that route and building a, you know, a public sector career? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm a bit of a goofball. And um, that's not really <laughs> the personality type that excels in, in that world. Right. So, um, 
you know, it, I think I made a good decision not to do that. Um, but, but the people that do that, I mean, they do some very difficult and amazing work. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It just takes the right, the certain type of personality and usually entrepreneurs don't necessarily fit that mold, at least stereotypically anyway. Um, so you didn't start burrito madness right away. So did what, what types of jobs did you have? And then how did you end up opening the first restaurant? Well, you know, basically I started burrito madness like a year and a half or something like that after college. Wow. So, okay. you know, I banged around a little bit, met some of the wrong people, uh, got in a little bit of trouble and, um, worked my way out of it and then started the restaurant. How did you fund uh, starting that restaurant? I'm sure it was a small footprint and not much cost, but there had to have been some money involved. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I went into an existing restaurant space mm. to save uh, most of the, the money, and, and really, I'm a, I'm a pretty good bootstrapper at, at cost containment. The money we did have, though, was largely from um, a guy I knew in high school. Um, so he he was the majority funder. So there were like five investors or something like that. And why, uh, I know at the time, I think you talk about it, I know certainly around that time, this whole gourmet burrito, as, as it was referred to, was big on the West Coast. Uh, how did you come upon this concept and why the burritos? Yeah, so after college, I had studied abroad in London one semester. I followed a woman out here to the West Coast. Mm. And so I discovered the world of, of better Mexican food. And I noticed the East Coast did not have that at the time. So I was trying to sort of bring it back, but then put sort of a creative spin on it. Uh, and, um, you know, I think I sort of got caught in the trap of, I was working in my business, but not on my business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the restaurant world can be a real grind if you're, you know, sort of on a budget and you're trying to do everything. So um, it was fortuitous that the sauce, the sauce saved me. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you own the restaurant? About a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Not, not too long, but it was long enough for you to approach burnout. Is that fair or close to it? Yeah. I don't know if it's burnout as much as uh, just sort of looking at it like, you know, am I making headway? Do I picture making a headway? You know, cause in that same time frame, you know, Chipotle was doing something similar in a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they obviously were doing a better job of it and, and made, you know, huge growth and headway. Um, whereas the way I was doing it, it, it wasn't going to work. So it, it would have taken some sort of outside influence to, to help me pivot in the better direction. And, and it sounds like, I'm sorry, go ahead now. Yeah. And I smelled like an onion all the time. So <laughs> it was hard to get dates. Yeah, I can imagine. Although the free food might have been a, a, an advantage as well. But it sounds like even then you had a a longer term vision or something you were working towards that this needed to get you to. Is that, is that fair? That So in other words, for you to realize that early, because a lot of people will, you know, struggle away out of business, working in a business for a lot more years than that. It sounds like you needed to get somewhere faster than you than this was taking you. I don't know if it was that or so much that, that it just it wasn't working um, as I envisioned things working. So it didn't seem like there was really a point to it. So mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew that, that that wasn't it. Okay. So it was, it was time. I mean, I, I'm not always the best at, at closing things off quickly, but um, and luckily in that instance, I, uh, I made that decision. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest challenges we face as small business owners is knowing when to pivot, 
as we call it now, or, you know, shut something down and move on to something else. But like you said, as it turned out, that's where the first hot sauce came about, right? Right. That's where insanity sauce was invented. So tell us a little bit about that story. I know you've told it a million times, but it is a curious story as to how it came about. Yeah, people always find that amusing. So we, um, we got a lot of drunks in the restaurant. It was at the University of Maryland main campus. And so these drunks I found to be problem, problem makers. So I used to mess with them. You know, I'd <laughs> bait them into trying really hot sauces. And I just thought it was funny. So I started making hotter sauces. And then these people started coming in who they liked the really hot sauces, these, you know, the chili heads. And I just thought the whole thing was so interesting that I decided to make the world's hottest sauce. And I actually figured out how to do it. Um, so I just used it as sort of an experimental lab. Um, and once, you know, Insanity Sauce sort of came together, it was amazing how many people just came and requested it in these little souffle cups. <laughs> and so, so that started to spark the idea, maybe that's, that's what I need to pivot to next is focusing on this sauce. Not so much professionally, but, you know, I was enjoying that experience. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just went with that as, as sort of a hobby almost, sort of a sideline. And so once the restaurant was sold, I continued to do the, the sauces as sort of my, my hobby. Um, I moved back to the West Coast. I got a job with some friends as a, a mortgage broker, actually. Hmm. Uh, and so I, um, yeah, I was just doing the sauces sort of nights and weekends, and, and I had a full-time job. And so it started to take off, and that's when it became a thing that you realized maybe there's a business here. Yeah, I mean, it got to be, it got to be too much to do as a sideline. And quite frankly, I enjoyed it more than being a mortgage broker. So mm -hmm. uh, I just kept doing it. Um, and, you know, it was led, led by passion, by just, you know, enjoyment. And, uh, you know, it, the hot sauce world out of, out of the whole food world is one of the areas that's probably the most fun-loving mm -hmm. and creative and sort of extreme. And so if you're a creative, it was really, I thought, a great opportunity to, to sort of go and do cool things. Yeah, it ended up being a great fit for you personality-wise. But why now, you know, you, you, you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur now. What is it about being an entrepreneur that works for you, that appeals to you? Well, you know, I, honestly, I don't know what else I would have done uh, because, you know, being a spy was gone. I didn't <laughs> sing well enough to be a rock star. And I just wasn't big enough and fast enough to be a, a professional football player. So this was the only thing that was left to me. So, but, you know, it just sort of fits me. I, you know, I don't work in a standard way. You know, you'd probably say I have, have ADHD or something, but, uh, you know, I just like to do things my own way and I work more in bursts. You know, uh, I can come up with an idea that's powerful enough to really carry almost everything else. Uh, and then, you know, the idea will even carry some of my bad habits and then some of my deficits. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a, a setup for an entrepreneur because a lot of employers probably wouldn't uh, be thrilled about um, someone works like that. Right. And, and, and obviously those other things, being a spy, being an athlete, being a rock star in this particular niche of the food industry, the excitement of it, um, the fact that you can be different appeals to you, obviously. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, as we segue into some of what you've learned about growing a specialty foods company, because 
you know, a lot of people listening might have an idea for a product or they might be, you know, tinkering with some kind of barbecue sauce or some other kind of food product. There are so many obvious challenges. One of the things that caught my attention as I was doing the research, I think you, you call yourself a premiumization specialist or speaker or something along those lines. But this term premium, premiumization, which I'm having a hard time saying, was kind of a new term for me. I kind of did a little research on it. But tell me about that concept and then how it applies to the food industry. If I got it right, it, it kind of evolved out of the, uh, the liquor industry and, and creating premium level beverages. Is that right? Is that kind of where it got its start as far as you know? You know, I don't really know the history of the term as much, but, um, you know, it could have been like a speech therapist that in, invented it to exercise <laughs> some, some speech muscles. Exactly. But, um, it, you know, it's clearly, you know, with the, with the age of the long tail um, and uh, of a more discerning consumer and, and a consumer that's willing to spend money on things that, that they perceive to be better. Um, it, it's a perfect fit. So, uh, you know, not everybody has to be a multinational. So there's so many niches that you can be in and be happy and be successful. And, and you know, if you're going in to start, uh, you know, most businesses, you don't have the scale to compete on price out of the gate. So premiumization is sort of a perfect fit. Is you can, you can make a better product, you can charge more for it, and you know, and in this country, people root for you. They, they want the little guy to make it. They, they want this sort of constant improvement. Um, they want to see things progress. And, and so did you, did that come to you early on or is that something that evolved over time? Did you figure that out early on that that was how you could get on the shelves or get out there and, and, and be noticed? You know, m most of the things that we've done that, that fit trends, uh, we're not smart enough to uh, to have thought it through in that way. We just did what we did. And later on, we were like, hey, that was premiumization. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, was, it was driven though early on by the product had to be good, right? That was, it had to be up to your standards always. Is that, is that what it was all about initially at least? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, everyone has a different skill set, right? So, so you can create a mediocre or better than mediocre product. And if you're like the world's greatest salesperson and greatest marketer, you can probably be very successful. Right. That's clearly not what we were about. We're about the creativity and the little passion. We're, you know, we're foodies. Um, so we create products that are better and different, at least our way of thinking. Uh, and, and that's it. And, and so we've always sort of said it's the product stupid. Um, so if our product can't sort of stand on its own, then we feel like we haven't done its job, our job. How do you decide if a product is good enough? Well, I mean, you, you have people taste it. I mean, you, you can use like a survey monkey to figure out a concept of like, you know, what should be named and for a certain type of item. But when it comes down to it, you need people to taste it and not just your family and your friends and not just in a way where you're looming over someone and they feel pressured to say it's good. Right. Um, you can tell uh, when people really like something. Uh, and so we look for that reaction. And quite frankly, we've created a lot of products over time and not all of them have gotten that reaction. I mean, a lot of them, almost all of them have gotten a reaction that they're good products, but that reaction where like, people are like, wow, 
this is great. I really want to get this. Um, that's the reaction you're looking for. And so right. that's, um, yeah, yeah and that, that can be hard because we can fall in love with our own creation, but that doesn't mean others are going to have that reaction, right? Right, absolutely. And, and that's the problem is most of us fall in love with our creation and we don't really pay attention to the market. Um, I mean, you might have to revise a product hundreds of times to get that reaction. Now, do you need that reaction to be successful? No, not necessarily. You can create a good product and, and be very successful depending on your skill set and you know how you're going to succeed. But it's much easier uh, long-term to create a great product if you want to be successful. It's definitely more work up front because it takes more revisions and a higher standard and um, more discipline and so forth. Yeah. All right. If, if I understood it correctly, as I was doing the research, you, you had immediate or fairly immediate success with the hot sauces, and then it plateaued for a while there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Is, did I get that right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the good news, bad news of super hot sauce is it's exciting. Uh, it creates a reaction. It creates fun. Uh, you know, that got us, you know, New York Times, you know, picked up on us when we got banned from the National Fiery Food Show. And, you know, <laughs> You know, I always tell people I'm, I'm the ugliest model ever to be in GQ. Um, you know, Inc. Magazine, we were a cover story. So we've had a huge amount of PR over the years, but a bottle of super hot sauce can last for years in your refrigerator. Mm, so that, that, okay. that's sort of the bad news. So that, that limited how, how much we could grow. Uh, and so it became a bit of a lifestyle business for me, uh, which was fine. But, you know, you aside, putting the money aside you don't want a sense of progress. You want to feel like you're, you're, you're getting somewhere, you know, there's something to look forward to. And so uh, that's when we launched the uh, pasta sauces, uh, which, which are now the majority of our business actually. How do you, um, I mean, obviously it still is within a, a, maybe a category, whatever the right term is, but how do you decide, right, we're, we're getting too broad here and it's going to dilute our overall quality. You know, follow what I'm saying? Or, or do you want to get as big as you can get? Just that challenge for a smaller business owner is always one that we're told, you know, focus, stay niched. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it, it depends what you want, right? So, I mean, certainly in the ideal world, you would stay strategic, you would stay focused, you would figure out, you know, the intersection of where your passion is and where your skill set or the skill set of the team you can put together is and and sort of focus and drive really hard in that in that spot uh but you know it's all has to be tempered with how big do you really want to be um you know how many people do you want to manage how much money do you want to raise uh, all those sorts of things uh you know we figured out a couple of years ago a few years ago maybe that you know I, we're not gonna be a massive company. That's not really what we want. I'm not, I don't really want to do what it takes. Um, you know, I look at someone like a Bezos or a Musk. I mean, A, I think they're more skilled than someone like me and B, they're way more driven and more ambitious. So, um, you know, I, I made, you know, I've made plenty of money, so I'm not really um, looking to drive it that much harder. So I said, I just want to create cool, cool food that people will really enjoy. Um, and so we became actually less strategic. So we have a line of overnight oats now. Uh, we're working on a snack line. Uh, so we just want to create food that sort of moves the market forward and, and gives people something new and different and better, hopefully. 
do you see yourself owning the business well into the future? Uh, probably. I mean, it's it's been split into two companies. So there's Dave's Naturals and Dave's Gourmet. I see. Um, one's the sauces, one's the oats. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, would we take investment? Maybe. Um, you know, would we sell one of the companies? Maybe. But, um, you know, I'm focused now on, on you know, continuing to create new products and get it out into distribution and and um, interacting with our consumers and, and just sort of having fun and, and being creative. When you first started with the sauces, that's pre-Amazon days. So were, was it about getting the product on grocery store shelves? Tell me about what that was all about. Yeah, brick and mortar. So, yeah. you know, the grocery world is still, you know, it, it's largely brick and mortar. I mean, even if you look at the projections mm-hmm. of direct-to-consumer online, um, it's going to be a huge chunk. You know, it, it already is. Uh, but even going, you know, 10 years, 15 years out, brick and mortar is still the majority of sales. Okay. Uh, and then if you're selling heavy glass jars of pasta sauce, that's limiting on a direct-to-consumer basis. So, yeah. Um, it, it always depends on what you sell. So, I mean, Amazon starting with books was perfect because it's, you know, it's, it's high dollars relative to its size and it's not breakable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when someone asks you about getting started with a product, what, what guidance do you offer as it relates to getting that product on a store shelf? Well, I mean, so a lot of people subscribe to the sort of theory of concentric circles. So, you go to the you know, the store you shop at, um, you try to get them to carry it and then you demo there and, and get feedback. Uh, you know, and then if it goes well, you know, you go to the store, you know, a mile away, two miles away. Uh, and you know, you sort of build from there and you build out in concentric circles and hopefully pivoting along the way and making changes to, you know, packaging, pricing, claims on the package, maybe the flavor, maybe, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, and then, you know, I started out also doing a lot of like fairs, you know, mm-hmm. where you can actually get cash and talk to a lot of consumers. And I, I think that's still a great way of doing things. Um, you think that, that that sometimes can then generate uh, demand from local outlets or, or exposure that might get you more likely to get in the door somewhere? Absolutely. And nowadays, I mean, you know, you can also use that to capture people's uh, email addresses and start building a following. I mean, right. you know, theoretically, you're also doing social media and sort of online marketing at the same time. And, you know, you go on Amazon and you get your own website. And, you know, so now now you're crossing it back and forth and building both in person and online. Um, the advantage to in person is sort of bursts of cash and you can put it in a lot of people's mouths. Um, because with food, it's, it's, you know, it's still largely about the taste. Uh, you know, unless, unless your business is really about, you know, you're the only keto blank in the world and, and people are going to buy it even if it tastes like your shoe. Yeah. It's got to be particularly tricky with hot sauces day because I don't necessarily want to buy the whole bottle. I might hate it. So I want to sample it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's just um, it <laughs> so you obviously, you made a decision early on about you being the face of the company as opposed to a, you know, a brand name. Uh, was that, why did you decide that? Was that consciously thought through? Tell me about that. You know, I guess I didn't put that much thought into it, honestly. I mean, you know, I'm fortunate in a way to have the name Dave, which, 
you know, certainly among my generation is was a super common name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and Dave was, you know, Dave Thomas, who who was the founder of Wendy's, or the spokesman for Wendy's. Um, you know, it's sort of that relatable everyday guy is, I think, how pe- people picture Dave's. And, um, you know, one of my uh, characteristics tends to be um, sort of more sort of humble and down to earth. Um, so it just sort of fit our brand. You know, we're, we're about the food. We're not really about me or 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 the brand in, in some ways we're we're about our products um and when people see that insanity logo they're like oh my gosh mm-hmm. that thing delivers that that really is the hottest thing i've had um or they see our pasta sauce label and they're like wow you know that that does taste different that's a special sauce yeah yeah Okay, you touched on it, but you talk about using the press to grow your brand. You obviously had some favorable press coverage early on. Were there any specific tactics that you all deployed to generate some of that or get some attention? Absolutely. So, you know, it's a couple of things, really. I mean, you know, it's the push-pull of, of business and marketing. It's, it's easier to create something exceptional that pulls you along for the ride as opposed to creating something mediocre or slightly better to you have to push the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. So partly it was we created products that were really different um, and better. And, you know, when Insanity came out, there really was nothing on the market that nearly that hot. Um, and so that captured people's interest. Then we sort of dovetailed that with, um, you know, you'd call it LTOs now, limited time offers. So we would create products that were partly entertaining for us but we created them to be, you know, something we could sell, uh, hopefully recapture most of our investment on it, and the media would would love it. So, uh, and we did the same thing with trade shows. So originally, I wore a straight jacket at trade shows, right? <laughs> Insanity sauce. Um, when we came out with like a our scorpion pepper sauce, we had at one show we had live scorpions in our booth. The next show we had like scorpions you could eat. Uh, you know, we created um, an adjustable heat hot sauce where you can turn the cap and it actually change the heat of the sauce coming out. Did it really? Did it really yeah. do that? Sorry. How does it really do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it worked great except for it occasionally jammed and then you okay. couldn't get anything out of it. It was mixing so. multiple things. I got to think, right? Some kind of valve right. mechanism. Okay. Two chambers. That was really expensive, unfortunately. And then <laughs> we did, you know, uh, an aging hot sauce where it's a special wood bottle that you age the hot sauce and it change, speed ages. We did um, lots of different hand-signed, limited edition, numbered, private reserves and all sorts of special packaging that sold for, you know, resold. some were resold for thousands of dollars. Wow. Uh, you know, so we did a bunch of these sorts of things. Like uh, we had Lucky Nuts every... Tenth nut was much hotter, but they all looked alike. <laughs> uh, so so that, that was sort of our method is let's create something that's actually exciting. Because the media, as you know, the media is looking for things to write about. And right. they want to write about more interesting things because the media is an entertainment medium. We're, you know, we want to entertain consumers and make their life better. So I was going to create things that would give them that and, and give consumers a little chuckle. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Having fun with it make it entertainment. That's what the, the news wants to cover. I also got to think it addresses the issue you had spoken to that when I buy a bottle of your hot sauce, I'm probably going to have it in my pantry for a couple of years, but, oh, there's this new thing. I got to go get that. So I have a collection of Dave's Gourmet in my pantry, right? 
Yeah, I mean, up to a point, certainly. Uh, you know, it's not a very profitable model if, if, if you're relying only on these short, limited time products. They're really about uh, uh, marketing and, and, you know, generating excitement for your customers and for yourself, quite frankly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and the grocery world, the brick and mortar world nowadays, especially, I mean, you're, you're buying your way in. So mm-hmm. you really don't want to be in for less than a year because you you probably not won't even break even. That's right. Why do you think there were no super hot sauces before? Why is that? Well, I mean, the problem was, or maybe it wasn't a problem. You know, the habanero was the hottest pepper in the world that people knew about back then. And so, you know, you can only put so much habanero in a product, you know, before you just limit on how hot it could be. So my theory was, well, there's something inside the pepper that makes it hot and what's inside the pepper is actually much hotter than the pepper itself. So if I could isolate that, then I could make the sauce much hotter, which is in fact what we did. And that's, that's part of the secret, right? This is the secret recipe to how you get that out of a pepper. Uh, well, we bought it. We did, you know, we tried to do it ourselves, but you know, to do that at scale and all that wasn't really going to work. Okay. So you're um, sourcing that from someone else. It was commercially available and you know, we were the first one to do it, but a bunch of people have, have done that since, uh, and it certainly works. I mean, pepper spray uses a similar thing. Interesting. All right, um, let me just on Amazon just for a moment. We, we've talked about it a little bit. What 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 tips or thoughts do you have on becoming successful at Amazon with a food product? Yeah. So the so the internet. Um, so I mean, you know, Amazon is like this whole ecosystem with these lots of details, right? So it's it's. It's getting your brand page up and getting the right amount, a certain number of reviews and a certain quality of review and, and getting the right pictures and, and, you know, video, if you can get the video and getting the descriptors right. Uh, and then, you know, to do some sort of, you know, AB testing or something to, to figure out the right price point. Um, you know, as you had said, people are sort of like, I've never tried this product. Do I really want to make any investment? So, you know, is there a starter pack or, or some sort of lower risk way to get people to try it? Um, you know, there's a um, whole lot of people that are now Amazon brokers. So they can be a big help um, in terms of like helping you do the advertising right. Because um, there's, there's all sorts of different types of ads and different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's really reading up and getting all the different parts right and you know uh, you can certainly feed consumers in from outside of amazon link them over to your amazon uh, account uh, you know and then now amazon of course is really wants everyone to be seller central and not vendor central so you're right. selling through amazon more than selling to amazon mm-hmm. right. uh, but um, yeah i mean there's there's a lot of details that's, that's some of them yeah. All right. So if, if I've got a product idea, a food product idea, where, where, where should, what do you recommend I get started when people ask you, I've got this great idea for a food product. Where do I start, Dave? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing to do is really test it out and figure out, you know, is it different? Is it special? Do people really like it? You know, so, so first go in a bunch of stores and figure out what else, what else is out there. And of course, search on the internet too. So online stores, uh, what else is out there like that? And, and sort of is yours different? Is it special? Um, why would people want yours versus someone else's? And then I would, you know, I would do some sort of person on the street type of testing 
where you get a bunch of strangers to taste it and do blind sort of ratings of it. Um, uh, and you could even do it side by side with some of what the competitors would be blind and, and see where you really, where you really stand, you know, or do you actually have something better or special or, um, or, or why is this going to be uh, successful? Why is this a business? And, and again, you can have something that's not that much better, but if, you know, if your deal is about, you know, 5% of all proceeds go to charity, that could make you successful. And, you know, that could be something that's meaningful, uh, you know, or your packaging is going to be this special, special look and special whatever. So the, there's different ways to succeed, but so for first test it out and see if you have a product package that, that will work. Um, you know, the specialty food association, if you go to, to their website, um, they have a lot of resources also, you know, if you need to find someone to make it for you, um, if you need advisors, um, they have a lot of resources. Yeah. Good, good. Great recommendations there. And yet, as you touched on, I think, any more besides that initial validation that yeah other people like this it seems like the branding the messaging the packaging you got to develop that early on as well so that you can test that part of it also besides the product being good is that what i'm hearing also yeah absolutely because um i mean if you're going to sit on a shelf somewhere the look of that packaging is is so critical right um, a great package will save you a fortune in marketing. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot. The reason I, I, I validate that with you is I see a lot of people that I've worked with. They've got a good food product. It is people do give them good feedback, but there there's no marketing. There's no packaging. It's just like, you know, in a little plastic container. Right. And so people aren't able to start to develop a brand association with that product. And it seems like that's critical at some point early on. Yeah, I mean, you you want you want people to connect with you. you. You want them to to be like, these are my people. This this is my tribe, um, and so that's that's that critical connection, um, you know. And so, you know, if you are that person that can sort of lead the brand and be the face of the brand and be a spokesperson, then be that. If you're not, then you know maybe find someone else who can can help with that. Yeah, agreed. All right, we've obviously touched on it, but summarize for us what Dave's Gourmet is all about and um, any kind of special offer or promotion or what, what would you like our audience to do to, to try Dave Gourmet, Dave's Gourmet? We're really about just trying to create better and innovative food products. So, you know, our butternut squash pasta sauce is, is really a different and, and terrific item. Uh, our uh, creamy... Uh, garlic red pepper hot sauce um, is is just tremendous. It's a whipped hot sauce, so it's very different. Uh, you know our our blueberry vanilla overnight oats. Um, so we just have a bunch of them, and obviously you know the insanity sauce and ultimate insanity and total insanity. Um, so you know just a whole variety of things. And I don't have a, a particular offer set up, but if people want to email me at dave at davesgourmet.com, Dave dave at davesgourmet.com then um you know i'd be happy to send them a free bottle if they place an order on our website wonderful wonderful so you can order directly on the website as well the hot sauces is that right, right? Or, or all of it yeah dave, okay. davesgourmet.com they can order and shoot me an email and i'm happy to throw in a free bottle or something 
Yeah, I've tried the Dave's Gourmet Creamy Garlic Red Pepper Hot Sauce. And as I was kind of making a note of it, is, is it purposeful that you have these long, descriptive, fun names? Is that on purpose? Yeah, I mean, you know, naming, gosh, we spent so much time on naming. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I think I'm going to have nightmares about it one day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you never really know what's good, what's going to sell, it seems. But we certainly wanted the name to sort of agree with with what's in the jar um, so that people people when they taste it they they get what they expected um, in terms of style and hopefully the quality of it is even better than they expected mm -hmm. all right so uh, what's next you talked about the what did you say oats or granola I didn't I'm sorry what, what was it the new product line yeah, so um, the newest product line is it's overnight oats. So it's like oatmeal in a cup. Because um, you said I was a cereal entrepreneur. And so I thought you meant I make cereal. Which, I've, which I've, been, I've been told that as well. But now you really are both uh, figuratively <laughs> and literally. So yeah. the overnight, so what, what am I, what's, what's different there? I'm not, uh, I don't know what that means actually. Sure. So if you go on like Pinterest and, and Google, you know, or not Google, search overnight oats, you'll see like these amazing pictures of people that, that make um, these concoctions that are basically oats and some sort of, uh, you know, liquid milk, almond milk, whatever, with fruit and nuts and, you know, other combinations of ingredients and they soak it. So instead of cooking it, you soak it either overnight or one or two or three or four days um, and then you eat it cold or room temperature uh, and it um, it's just delicious I and mean, the, the liquid absorbs the flavor and it's actually there's some digestive benefits and so forth uh, I mean you can also cook it but uh, it's just really an interesting different spin on on eating oatmeal because breakfast is a real challenge in America right um, trying to get a, a healthy delicious breakfast in there and so oats oats seem like one of the, the best options at this point so is this a product that has to be refrigerated? Well, it depends. If you use, um, ours is dry, so you would just add the almond milk or milk I, or I whatever, yogurt. Um, so if you add almond milk, you don't have to refrigerate it at all. If you add you know, milk or something with dairy, then you would have to refrigerate it. Well, sounds, sounds good. All right, very good. Um, books, I'm always looking for a book recommendation. Is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend to us? So I like the book called Grit. Because, uh, you know, grit is, uh, I got three kids. Um, grit is really what you need to be a successful entrepreneur. And grit is also one thing that a lot of our kids are not learning. We don't really teach them. Um, so it's really interesting to learn about, you know, how, how do you teach someone grit? How do you develop grit? Um, you know, how do you overcome setbacks? How do you keep a positive attitude? Um, do you believe our kids are not learning it because we fix all their problems for them? Or wh why is it, do you think that they're not getting that? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, um, you know, we, we really helicopter a lot around our kids now. Uh, you know, we have so many things, you know, we can track their every movement by their phones or track their cars or, um, you know, we just, there's certain mistakes you certainly don't want your kid to make, but there's a lot of mistakes. Let them make, you know, it's, it's not going to kill them and they're going to learn from it. Um, and we don't really talk to them about, you know, that, that's one of the problems is we don't really talk to our kids about all sorts of sort of life lessons, you know, about, you know, you know, how do you manage your finances? How do you communicate with other people? How do you, you know, how do you overcome obstacles? How do you sort of set goals? Um, 
uh, and, and we don't really talk to them about happiness, quite frankly, um, which to my way of thinking, happiness, that that is the, that is the life goal. Is um, so, you know, how do you manage yourself? Uh, you know, how do you have a happy life? And all of those things, like you said, are what's required to be successful in business, in my experience. Yeah. I mean, if you're miserable, it's a lot harder to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you make everybody else around you miserable, right? Exactly. Get a little dark cloud walking around above you. <laughs> That's right. Dave, what's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation that we've had today? Uh, well, one thing we haven't touched on that um, uh, is, is simplify. I think, um, you know, business, we all make it more complicated than it has to be. Um, it's really just boil things down to the simplest possible setup you can. So, um, you know, just about delivering a great product or service um, and, and doing it in a way that, that, that you can get behind and, and put some energy into. How have you applied that philosophy as your company has grown as far as like levels and layers of people and organization and staffing? Does it, do you, do you think it manifests itself in how you've done that? Um, absolutely. I mean, we, um, we're pretty much a virtual organization. We, we outsource almost everything. Uh, and, and the, the central piece that, that I try to keep a lot of my time focused on is, you know, what can I make next? Mm -hmm. um, how can I improve the products I already have? Uh, you know, how can we just, you know, create and, and, and give the market something special? Um, because that, that's, that's what we're better at. Um, and, and all these sort of money promotions and all these things like that. I mean, we do them, but uh, if we spend too much time on that and too much time in meetings and too much time in all these other places, um, we'll, we'll just lose what we're good at. Um, uh, quite frankly, I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. That's right. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. Davesgourmet.com. Wonderful. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well. Dave, thanks for taking the time to be with me, sharing your insights and stories. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you having me on and um, good luck to your listeners if, uh, if they want to step into the business world. Thank you. Appreciate that. This is Henry Lopez and thanks for listening to this episode of the How of Business. My guest today again was Dave Hirschkop. We release new episodes every Monday morning and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Or you can always just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 for more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.